Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Good morning. My name is Tim Barton. I'm the pastor of Family Ministries here at the Vine. And as we turn to God's Word in just a moment, um, I want to go ahead and ask you a question. And here's the question. What are you living for? Let that sink in a minute. What are you living for? As I've, you've grown accustomed to me doing, um, I've asked other people that question this week, uh, leading, leading into this week, and here were some of the answers. Um, one young man said, I guess the next paycheck, can't do much without that. It's true. Other answers might be were to, to find the right man and, and have a family. One person said to provide for my family and protect my children. Others said things like the next experience, the next trip, the next vacation, maybe the weekend. Heard that one. Um, one other person was really honest, though. And they said, honestly, wh- whatever makes me happy in the moment. Now, I know there are plenty of other answers you could give. If I took a poll of those who are here in person and those who are, who are watching online today, there are many other answers you could give me for, you know, what, what are you living for? And depending on um, how you're feeling today, what you're going through, those answers may vary. What, while those answers, though, that you may give me, uh, they, they may be what you think you're living for in one sense, I, and I would say they're, they, they may not be what you're actually living for, but they are an indication of what you care about. Right? They're an indication of, they would be an indication of what, of what I care about. Because the reality is, is that it often takes tough circumstances. It often takes tough circumstances in our lives for us to even realize what we're living for. And so as we continue in our series, Becoming Confident in Christ, um, from Paul's letter to the Philippian church, I want to remind you that Paul was in a tough circumstance. Um, Here are some of the circumstances he had faced. You remember he was was under house arrest 24-7 chained to a guard he had had many things happen, like flogging, right? You remember the flogging? He'd been abandoned. He'd been through a shipwreck. Um, lots of other things that happened. Those are just some of the, the highlights, so to speak. Um, and, and now he even wonders if he's facing death. So that's what's going on as he writes this letter to the Philippians, to the church that he planted, to the church that he loved, to the church that he had not seen in several years. And he's writing to encourage them And by way of encouragement, the way he's trying to encourage them is he tells them what he's living for. And so we're going to look at that this morning. But as we get ready to go to the passage, I want want to say to you, if you are a follower of Jesus here today, this passage shows us the best thing that we can be living for. And as we look at this passage today, I want to tell you that it's possible, possible that God will even use that to bring conviction in your life and in my life of where we are not living for what should be the most central focus and joy in the Christian life. And then if you're not a follower of Jesus here today, then I want to ask you to listen closely these next few minutes. Because often, 
You can hear what, what followers of Jesus say, what followers of Jesus think, or you can watch our lives. And as you do so, you, you, you see that our lives and our struggles, you see that the places where we run for help and the purpose that we have actually often look the same as yours. That's not how it's supposed to be. But that's what you, you often see. And so what I want you to do today is look and see, there's real hope. There's real purpose in this life, even when we're not demonstrating it to you. So let's turn to God's word together. We're going to read from Philippians chapter 1, um, verses 18 through 30. And I want to ask um, if, you're, if you're able and willing, please stand with me as we read God's word. Apostle Paul, I'm speaking, and this is the word of God. He says, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So Lord, as we look to your word together this morning, Lord, no amount of our effort or work can take the truth of this word and apply it to our hearts. Lord, we are solely dependent on you by the power of your spirit to illumine your word to us. Lord, to make it real in our hearts and lives. And so, Lord, we submit ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to the truth of your word and we ask, Lord, that you would speak clearly through it. Lord, for the glory of your name, and Lord, for the good of your people who are gathered here together. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So in the first two verses that we just read, um, we see Paul's attitude or Paul's perspective um, in what he is expressing here. And, and I want to look at the first two verses for a minute because that will help us understand what Paul's saying in the rest of the passage. 
So I'm going to read through them one more time, um, verses 19 and 20. He says, Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So notice uh, what Paul's doing here. Paul's, Paul's rejoicing. Paul is thanking the Philippians because through their prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus, this will lead to his deliverance. Now, if we just read that, just that, that one verse, right? We just read that one verse, we, we can think, this would make a great Christian movie. Somebody's in prison, the people of God pray, they're looking to God to work, and God gets them out of those, uh, delivers them from, from prison, frees them from their circumstances, Right? Not a bad thing, it's a good thing. And God does do that sometimes. But don't miss what follows in what Paul's saying here. Paul's rejoicing because he knows it's through prayer and the work of the Spirit of Jesus, that is the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit strengthening him, that this will turn out for his deliverance. But look at the deliverance he's talking about. Paul's deliverance is that he will not be ashamed... That's his first first part of his deliverance, that he will not be ashamed and that he will have full courage so that Christ will be honored. So Paul's deliverance is that he will not be ashamed. Paul's deliverance is that um, he will have full courage so that Christ will be honored whether he lives or dies. Paul's confident he's going to be delivered. But his attitude is that deliverance can be found in life or death. Because his deliverance is being with Jesus and bringing honor to Jesus, whether in this life or in the life to come. His only concern is that he bring honor and glory to Christ. So he's thankful for prayers. He's thankful for the spirit of Jesus that is strengthening him and helping him to do that. It's because of that attitude It's because of that attitude and that perspective that he's able to say in verse 21, the verse that's more well-known, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So Paul states that, and then in verses 22 to 26, Paul starts processing out loud, as I would call it, all right? Um, I joke around about this. I am actually a verbal processor. Um, Pastor John and my wife bear the brunt of this. Um, and so he, he gives me freedom to process out loud and that's good. Um, that's how I think a lot of times, right? And so Paul's processing out loud. The only difference is it's, it's also the word of God. And so it is his inhuman form, his processing out loud, but this is God's word, right? Okay. So (laughs) Paul's processing out loud in verses 22 through 26. And in the midst of that, he tells us what he means by the, by the, the two phrases here. First, he tells us what he means by to live as Christ. Verse 22, to live as Christ is fruitful labor in this life. Verse 24, to live as Christ is necessary for others. Verse 25, to live as Christ is for others' progress and joy in the faith. Verse 26, to live as Christ is to give others ample reason to glory in Jesus. Here's what's going on. 
Paul understands that his primary reason for remaining on this earth is to bring glory and honor to Jesus so that others will look to Jesus and grow in, in, in the progress and joy of the faith. All four of those things I just mentioned, right, in those verses. You notice that not a single one of those point to Paul's happiness. Not a single one of those point to Paul's comfort. Not a single one of those point to Paul's security or his approval. Not one. Not one. Instead, because he is confident in Christ and his saving work, he's free to be about bringing glory and honor to Christ in his care for others. And y'all, listen, if, if you are a follower of Jesus here today, if you are a follower of Jesus here today, the way to find the most joy and fulfillment in your lives is to bring glory and honor to Jesus by making him known to others in the way you point to him. We tried in so many different ways, but the way to find joy and fulfillment in Him is to glorify Him, to honor Him, to make Him known by the way we obey Him. Do you realize that in our obedience and submission to Christ, we're pointing to others, others to Him in the way that we obey? And in the way we repent. And in our words and in our actions and in the way we put others before ourselves. We're called to this as individuals. And we're called to this as the family of God, the family of believers. I want you to stop for a minute. I actually want you to do this. And if you're online, you can look at somebody sitting next to you or look at the back of these heads or just look at me. All right. I want you to stop for a minute. I want you to look around the room. I genuinely want you to do that. You actually have to look around. All right, have we done some of that? <laughs> I gotta stop you because some of you will get chatty if I don't quit, if I don't move this on. Oh. Look around the room. There's not one person in this room that you just looked at who has progressed in the faith and gained so much joy in the faith that they can say they don't need to grow or progress more. Not one. The day when we are done growing will come in heaven. The theological term for that is glorification. That is the day when we are made perfect before God. That doesn't happen in this life according to the Bible. That's because progressing in the gospel, as, as we are progressing in the gospel, as we are progressing in the faith, we never progress beyond our dependence on God and the work of Christ. And progressing in the faith is, is to help us understand that, that this progressing in the faith gives us confidence in Him, which brings us great joy and points others to progress, to progress and joy in the faith of the gospel. So let me, let me kind of sum all that up and bring us back around here. Are you living for the glory and honor of Jesus? Are you living for the glory and honor of Jesus? And then I'll follow that up with, are you living so that your life might point others to progress and joy in the gospel? I think the answer for us is, Sometimes, 
And one of the ways, if you're not sure about that answer, that you can come to that answer is looking at the second phrase here, where he says, to die is gain. So look there with me for a minute. He spent verses 23 through 26, um, and, and in that four times, he gives four reasons that to live is Christ and what that looks like, but he gives one when he comes to to die is gain. It's in verse 23. He says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. What's the, what's the reason? What's the reason that to die is gain? Paul goes, because it's far better. It sounds like I'm talking to one of my children and I don't want to take time to explain. He said, it's far better. It's far better. Now don't raise your hand. And I genuinely mean don't raise your hand. But how many of you in here have ever thought death would be far better than this? If you've thought that, it's probably because you face some really hard stuff in this life. Paul's facing some really hard things. But I don't think he's, he's using this phrase, to die as gain is far better like we would. In fact, I believe from the passage and, and, and the book of Philippians as a whole, that Paul is making a connection that teaches us that what we are living for in this life directly impacts how we view departing and being with Jesus. Now, I need to pause for just a minute because I want to make something clear for a minute. This is talking about as we live this life, right? And as we look forward um, to, to being with Jesus fully, all right? This is not saying that as Christians, when someone dies or when there's hurt and there's pain and there's sorrow, that, that we don't mourn, that we don't have grief, that we don't walk through these things together. Scripture's full of that. This is talking about how we view things here. And how we view walking through this life. And so some of you, as we talk about to die as gain, that, that may sting, that may hurt this morning. And I want you to understand this isn't suggesting um, that you just need to suck it up. We'll talk more about that in a minute. No, mourning is appropriate. Sadness is appropriate. Death and dying, it was not part of how God created this world. That came because of sin. Okay, so I want to make that clear uh, and then come back to what we're talking about here. All right. Because here, what, what we are living for in this life directly impacts how we view departing and being with Jesus. So think back a minute. What's Paul living for? Let's think about it a second. We just talked about it. Right? So he's living for the glory and honor of Jesus, right? That's what we've, what we've talked through. He's living for others to progress and have joy in the faith. When we can truly say that to live as Christ, then dying can be gained because in death I gain Christ and the benefits of being with him fully. Fully, face to face. So to die as a believer is great gain. It never has been and never will be the consolation prize for the believer. When I think about 
believers walking through this life and coming to the end of this life. I, I think about, you know, Pastor John and I and Pastor Mark, and, and I look around the room, and there are many others who have, who have walked through this with believers as believers come to the end of their life. And so often we see as, we, as you walk through that, people realizing and coming to an understanding that, oh, yes, there is sadness here, But I've been living to know Christ and to walk with Christ. And what is coming is going to be knowing him more fully. It is immeasurably greater than anything we can imagine. To take out the theological implications of the song, um, I can only imagine. But just, just the heart of that is we, we can only imagine what it's going to be like. One experience that we've many of us shared together was walking with Chuck Airy, if you don't know, Chuck was one of our elders here and the, the husband of um, Aoli Airy, who's on staff here at the Vine and has been for many years. And when Chuck walked through a long battle with cancer, it was hard. There's the shock of the news. There's the walking through the Lord, why, why, why are we doing this? Why, why are you allowing this? All those things happen, Right? But Chuck kept coming back to, I'm called to live for Christ. And it was seen no more, no more evident than the last couple weeks of his life. In a deep contentment that to die is gain. You know what Chuck was doing at the end of his life? In the last, on earth anyway? <laughs> he was gathering people around him. You know why he was gathering people around him? So that he could talk to them about living is for Christ. So that he could point them to follow Jesus. So that he could tell them that his confidence was in Jesus. We watched as 60 adults, elders, and others in our church gathered around in, in a worship service a few days before he passed away. We watched as he brought youth in, students in, to be able to talk to them. I watched as I came with my son to read and with Chuck, and he just wanted to talk to my son about Jesus. Chuck wasn't perfect, but he is now. How we view death shows us what we're living for. You see, if what we're living for is comfort on this earth, then we are going to fear death. Because death isn't comfortable. If what we're living for is security on this earth for ourselves and for our families, then we are going to fear death. Because it feels to take those securities away. If what we're living for is approval on this earth, then we're going to fear death because we're never going to feel like we can get enough done. But if what we're living for is to the presence, in his presence there is fullness of joy, if what we're living for is in his presence in obeying and following him, then we view death as a great gain because we gain it more 
and more and more. For the Christian, death frees us from earthly labors and trials and temptations. For the Christian, death means laying down the burdens and concerns of our labors here and to join him where there is no more tears, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more death. And as I was thinking about this week, this, this week I thought, you know, it would be far easier to preach this right now to the Christians in Afghanistan. And if I was a pastor in Afghanistan. Because there is nothing else. There is nothing else. If we are followers of Jesus, learning to live for Christ, for His glory, to know His love for us and to serve and obey Him in our life, then to die can be viewed as gain. Like Paul, in this life we have Jesus and in death we have the fullness of Jesus face to face. Paul tells them this, to live as Christ and to die as gain. And then in verses 27 and 30, we see that he gives them instructions for it. He gives them instructions for how to do it. He doesn't always give instructions clearly laid out, but they're right there. Instructions for for what this looks like. Let me read the, the verses again. He says in verse 27, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had. And now here I still have. Paul's saying to live as Christ and to die as gain. And what, is it, what does it look like in the meantime? He says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. What does that mean? Well, often we think it means get your stuff together, get your act together. Right? That's kind of how we treat that. Or maybe um, we think it means be tough in, in the Christian subculture sort of way. You know what I mean where we're not allowed to show emotion or have feelings, and if we, if we do, we've got to get a grip, we've got to be strong, we've got to move past it. That's the Christian way. Except that it has nothing to do with the Christian way. It has nothing to do with what the Bible teaches. Grief, mourning, sadness at the brokenness in this world, feeling the hurt because we live in a broken world. All these things are things that are part of the Christian life. They are things we face every day. So what does it mean then to let your life be worthy of the gospel? Verse 27 says, worthy of the gospel of Christ. Paul says, let your man of your life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And he says, so that the people are standing firm. So this is what it means. The people are standing firm in one spirit with one mind that is the mind of Christ and striving side by side in the faith of the gospel. Let me just define this again. Most of you could probably come up here and do this, but let me define what, is, what it means by the faith in the gospel again. 
The gospel is the acknowledgement that all mankind, including myself, including you, have sinned and deserve death, and we cannot attain life or pay for that on our own. We are in desperate need of a Savior. The only Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ because he was both fully God and fully man. He lived a perfect life, died a death that we deserve, and rose again from the dead. And he is coming again. And so those who confess our sin and need for him and then know and trust him, we receive eternal life. And then we will serve and obey him on this earth because honoring him and making him known to others is the only reason we are still here. That's why we're here. To live as Christ. There is no other Savior. There is no other hope. There is only one true God and he has saved us through his Son and he is changing us through his Spirit. So you put all that together. A lot of words, I know. You put all of that together and the definition of a worthy manner of life or, or a walking worthily is stand firm in the faith of the gospel of Christ. That means we don't, we don't live a life in obedience that pretends we can get God to love us more. We live our life in submission to him because he's already loved us immensely and immeasurably. We don't live a life trying to convince others that we're worthy. We live a life because we have been made worthy. Through Jesus and Jesus alone. That brings glory to Jesus as a clear sign that your salvation is from him. And it's a witness to others. That's what verse 28 is showing us. When we say our only hope is in Jesus through God's work, we, we see our faith strength. And so we can face the things that come in this life. Because nothing Satan or the world can do can take that away. And, and it becomes a testimony to others that they are in trouble if they're trusting in themselves or trusting in something else. Is it, you know, a lot of times in, in our society, in the, in the Christian society, that, that truth is watered down. But if we are living in the gospel that Jesus is the only hope, if, if that, that is saying that if others don't believe that, there is a problem. And we cannot shy away from lovingly saying that. That's how we face suffering and persecution in this world. And that's what we see in verses 29 through 30. Because when we live for Christ, anything we lose is lesser than him. And when we die for Christ, when we say to die for Christ is gain, we're able to do so. Because we understand the purpose of this life is honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Here's the reality. If, if I took a poll again, right? If I asked you, can you really say that to live is for Christ? That you're living for him, for his honor and his glory? The honest answer, I think, for most of us in this room, would be sometimes. So I just want to, I want to kind of call that out, right? Sometimes. And when, I, when we say, do you believe that to die for Christ is gain? The reality is, we don't, always, we don't all always feel that way. So here's what I want you to do with this for this week. 
want to ask you to do this with me, is to ask God to show you that anything you can lose in this world is lesser than him. And that to die for Christ is gain. I'll say it again because some of you are writing. That anything you lose in this life is lesser than him. And to die for Christ is gain. You cannot make yourself believe that. I want to ask you to pray it. And to ask the Lord to show it to you again and again and again. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.